Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate abner maris is a world champion boxer olympian sports commentator and most importantly dad to two little girls beloved by abuelas the hardcore fans alike abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mars, we'll hear from Abner and his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, sports, music, culture, and family life, and just being a husband and a girl dad. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Morris whenever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode, that's right, of the London is Blue podcast. No Brandon Busby. He's out doing something. I don't know what. But Dan here. Alongside Nick, we ha- we are consistent. We are the the individuals in the starting eleven who always get picked, match in and match out. You can't drop us from the lineup. Hmm. Brandon Busby not here. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Look, I mean, some of us care about the show. You know, that's <laughs> that's all. That's all I gotta say. But you know, we're gonna deliver what what you guys have all come to know and love: the Nick and Dan show. And the Nick and Dan show is ready to roll. Well, I think it's it's always Nick and Dan save the world. And we're going to try our darndest da, to get that da, done today. In the 501st episode of the <gasps> London is Blue podcast, which is just stupid. 501st episode. Uh, yeah, we're going to do a bigger thing about the 500th episode this weekend. Because as it turns out, when Dan put out his tweet that we've put out 100 episodes since February 7th of this year... Uh, we, it snuck up on us, honestly, <laughs> the big milestone snuck up on us. We got caught, um, a little unawares. And, uh, so we're going to celebrate that. We'll, we'll do that for the Manchester United review this weekend when we have our good buddy Nizar Kinsella on the show, uh, post United. That's always a fun one with him. So we'll do some sort of giveaway or fun thing. But, um, for those who have listened to a majority and, or just one of the 500 episodes, you guys are absolute heroes for putting up with us. Incredible stuff. 
Stamina like Conte, Dan. Well, it, it was funny to see some of the tweets today. There are a couple of people mentioned that they appreciated the the way that we've grown since our days. We were posting on Wagon and the pronunciations were terrible. Uh, mm. Obviously, Nick, you and Brandon have improved greatly. I am still at stage one. There <laughs> was also some nice shout outs just for the consistency. Uh, a couple of people actually on Instagram, some nice comments about just, you know, the the time that we were broadcasting during the the start of the quarantine for a lot of people and what that meant to them. And, uh, you know, I, I think for us, it's just always kind of wild when someone tells us a little bit about how they listen or how we impact it or how we maybe make their life a little bit better. And that's it's just the most humbling thing. And so, you know, from from Brandon, from from Nick, from myself, from our people who support us, like uh, Bruce, who's been doing the graphics this season and the videos from Jake, who's been doing all the editing just a, a massive thank you to everybody who continues to listen, continues to share, continues to support. We are uh, absolutely appreciative of everything and we don't take it for granted. Yeah, we, we know there's a hundred thousand other Chelsea podcasts you could listen to on any given bit, any given day. Uh, we're, we're thankful to, uh, to have earned your, your business as they say. And uh, we, we hope with some of the plans that we have this year with the, breakneck cadence that we've been on with publishing that uh, we continue to do so and uh, stay tuned for some special extras coming down the pike including potentially merch <sighs> well and Just let's, let's not even tweeze, tease the Joe Tweeds special that is coming the graphic is done and so we'll drop that at some point here but we've got some some fun stuff with Joe planned obviously the Matt Law if you haven't listened to Matt Law's episode yesterday really really great reception to that too we appreciate everybody's feedback particularly on the fact of how uh, Mason Mount social media abuse of players has seemed to be a really positive conversation coming out of that just you know how to how to handle that how to cope with that but we we got a big match this weekend Nick and we need to jump in now and talk about Man United versus Chelsea Ole mm. versus Frank, and what is coming from that? We're going to talk about United start to the season. We're going to go through what the importance of this result means to both sides, particularly Chelsea and Frank. Going to go through our predictions, our starting 11, our score predictions. And Brandon loses out on points for both of those because he didn't show up. So you know what? Points to us, no points to him. It's um, the only chance I got. <laughs> it's the only chance I got. <laughs> let's jump in. So Man United in the league. Very interesting start to their season. They started off a little bit later. So they had their start against Crystal Palace. Mm -hmm. They lose 3-1. They go up against Brighton. They have a a 3-2 victory, narrowly defeating the Gulls. They go forward and get trounced. Absolutely obliterated by Spurs, 6-1. You could say they they got slapped, Dan. they, They did get slapped. Uh, five fingers to the face. They then uh, Man United <laughs> ends up beating Newcastle four one. They get a nice gift of a penalty in this mm. recent match against Paris Saint Germain and end up winning their first Champions League match of the season. But in general, a real mixed bag. You could say this is almost very Chelsea ish in their results or their form to start the season. Nick, I mean, yeah, I mean, Chelsea Man United as yeah you know, we've talked about before. Was a, you know, and Dan, you said this on our, our Premier League fan zone segment this morning. We were on a we were on Premier League fan zone today, by the way. Just a whole bunch of fun stuff going on. But Chelsea Man United is a premier fixture in the Premier League calendar. Both of these teams are favored to finish in the top four. Both of these teams, you know, have made some signings, although you could argue Chelsea's made a hell of a lot better signings. Both of these teams have on paper pretty damn good squads. 
both of these teams are incredibly inconsistent. <laughs> and so when you when you enter into the danger zone that is going to be this match at Old Trafford early in the season, you have no earthly idea what's going to happen here. Yeah. I mean, we played them four times last year, only won once. The other the other ones weren't particularly close. So, you know, it's it's just it's a it's going to be a incredible test I think for both sides because you could argue that neither, you know, a draw would be fine for both teams just so they could move on, but you know that Frank wants to beat Ole. You just know it. He can't lose to that uh PE teacher as our friend Yannick would say. Um bef- you know, five times or six times it's not that's not good. PE teacher the uh the other half of Smeagol, the golem as it were <laughs> of the Premier League. There's plenty of ways to refer to uh, one Ole Gunnar, uh, Gunnar Solskjaer, and we we enjoy all of the ones that uh, find a way to poke a little fun at him. But th- there's a little bit of a change to the United side that we saw last season. So they have added a little bit of a upgrade here in a couple different positions. Uh, they bring Alex Tellez in as a left back, so he potentially is could be in line to start this match. Obviously, it would be maybe an upgrade for them from Luke Shaw. And uh, Donny Vanderbeek coming in from Ajax as a midfield option, I actually think is a really shrewd signing from them. They have Cavani mm-hmm. coming as a free transfer. Apparently, one person saying I was looking close to Cavani uh, just without apparently a tan or any of the swagger that he would have. So it's mostly just that flow that you got going on, buddy. It I is mean, the flow. That, that thing's out of control right now. <laughs> Look at that thing. It's just, it keeps growing. Again, this is a podcast first, and you're making reference to, you know, like an appearance. It's really tough for people. Yeah, it's just almost as if they should go to YouTube and smash that subscribe oh, button. Okay. Anyway, uh, out of the signings that they made, do you, you feel like United did some good business? Obviously, did not pull in Jaden Sancho, which was probably the biggest non-starter of the you know offseason, was, oh, hey, they're going to go get Sancho. They're going to go pay the money. And Dortmund was like, hey, look, there's a deadline date. There's a payment fee that we want. You either do it or you don't. And United were not able to stump up the cash claiming marking conditions, yet somehow Chelsea were able to do the business across six transfers. I think what's wild to me about the Sancho thing is like, this is like two or three years in the making for them. Like, yes, the market is completely bonkers this year. It's COVID has impacted everything. There, There is a certain amount of benefit of the doubt you give them for not pulling the the trigger on 130 million pounds or whatever it was. Right. But Manchester United is a publicly traded company in the United States of America. They, you can buy stock in Manchester United. If you want, they have money. They've shown over a number of terrible, terrible, terrible signings that they can buy players. I think Dan Sancho doesn't want to go there. I think that's what it's going to come down to. And the personal terms, Maybe outrageous. They might be able to pay him a ton of money. At the end of the day, he's not going there. So they ended up with Cavani. Um, and and I, I don't think that's great. I, th- I think when you look at their list, right, the one guy that stands out to me for them is Dean Henderson coming back from Sheffield. Yeah. He was pretty tremendous last year. And just admitting that is, is not hard. But uh, with De Gea been, you know, kind of having the Keppas, if you will, um, that could be his position sooner rather than later. 
Well, I, I really the issue for them was they brought Henderson back because they wanted to sandbag another team that was fighting for a European Europa League spot. Mm. They didn't want Sheffield to potentially be challenging them again for a top six finish. I mean, that, that's really the only reason that you do that, because they are not going to be able to keep both of those individuals happy and they're going to have to figure out a solution. Yeah, I also think they're in a similar situation you know, in a lot of ways to us as it relates to goalkeeper, not knowing what the solution is for them from a, a move forward path. They got someone on a really big contract. They also have someone that, you know, Mendy, we had to buy. But, the, you know, when you look at Henderson growing up through the academy a little bit, giving them an option to potentially flex into, they also have to figure that out. That is not a clean cut situation for them either. And no. they've got a whole side, actually. I think they also have a, a pretty porous defense as well. You know, when you look at Maguire not necessarily potentially being worth the the fee that they paid for, you know, Lindelof is potentially a, a bit of a concern. Tellas, I actually think, is is actually a really, really good upgrade for them. And there's obviously a, a lot of other stuff outside of football with Wan-Bissaka right now that is unfortunate and, um, you know, may affect kind of how he can kind of contribute on the pitch, too. Can, can I say about Wan-Bissaka, and, and I know this may come off as crass, what do you guys expect like, really? Like, I know it's a terror, like, a, yeah, whatever, kind of a funny, terrible, whatever. But, like, like players' personal lives, I don't, I don't care about, like, I just, yeah. I can't. It's tabloid stuff. It's not football stuff. He's a really good footballer. He's a very good right back. You could argue it's him and Trent and Reese that are going to staff that for England for years and years and years to come. Mm-hmm. Like, He's a good footballer. He, you know, again, if if you are in have any understanding of athlete culture, they have different rules than we do. <laughs> okay, I, I'm not telling you it's fair. I'm not telling you, you should love it, but like, get over it a little bit. Come on, like we're all adults here. You know, figure it out. I mean, the other thing that's interesting when you look at their lineup, you know, obviously, you've seen Fernandez start to miss some penalties, so that's a interesting little wrinkle. And then the other thing is, you know, Mason Greenwood was having a phenomenal yeah. post restart situation and has not started firing the same way in the start of this Premier League season. And so when you think about potentially some of their their massive bits of firepower not executing in the way that they were in the restart era, definitely a, a bit of a concern for Ole when you think about how are they going to be able to really make life difficult for kind of our defense. I mean, that's the, that's the question, right? Is you can argue, and I was thinking about Greenwood today too, because I think of all the players at the end of the year that I was scared of playing when we played them in the FA cup semifinal, it was him. He was on it. He was on a ridiculous tear. And again, he's a very, very talented footballer. You can't take that away from him. His left foot is like Reese James right foot. So if you like Reese James' right foot, you're going to like Mason Greenwood's left foot. They're both absurdly powerful. They both have great uh, control of the ball. But you could argue that we we kind of ruined him in the FA Cup semifinal. He didn't have a good game against us. In fact, we kind of, I think we shut their whole team down for a, a bit of time. And it did mess, mess with them mentally as they closed mm-hmm. the year. If Greenwood gets going on, they're a whole different outfit. If they can figure out how to play Pogba, they're a whole different outfit. It just, it what's weird about United is it, it kind of feels a little bit like Conte at the end, 
where it, if it feels like the players don't believe in Ole, mm-hmm. and he clearly has issues with some of the players, like that's a obvious thing. And they're just trying to figure out a way, Dan, to semi coexist until this thing is over one way or the other. <laughs> like, I, that's how it feels. Well, so here's the interesting thing. When we look at just what the recent history has been like between Chelsea and United, you know, you have, like, don't look at the image because we have a script and there's an image in front of Nick. But if you could think about it, when was the last time in the Premier League that you remember winning, winning a match versus Manchester United? Premier League? Uh, we obviously did not win last year. Uh, did we... Was it... No. No, no, That can't be it. It was... Uh, was it... Um, Morata's header? Uh, what November that? 2017. Yes, that one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. It has been a, a long minute. time at this Ooh. point. We are getting close to multiple years since we have actually been able to execute in the league. You know, obviously there was the the famous uh, Mourinho three where he held up the fingers to let us know exactly how he felt about it. Um, but you know, we we obviously we did win against United to advance to the FA Cup final last season, three one. Some really nice goals, some some great kind of movement from the team. But we were on a a three game losing streak. You know, a, a five-game winless streak you know, from the last time we played them. And so the recent history against United versus like what it was from 2012 all the way through 2017, where it was dominance, where it was either wins or draws. Also, I'm looking at this, by the way. It's like we play them in the FA Cup every single year. Uh, like... It is Chelsea 20, United 20, 2017. 2019. 2018. Because yep, we beat them in the final. Like, the FA Cup loves a UEFA type of draw there, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> no, they want Chelsea and United to play in an early round to bounce Weird. Weird. Yeah, odd. But I, I think that, that to me, is just when we think about this, this matchup and we think about the competitiveness between these two sides, they're kind of both sides that are still trying to find an identity to understand who they are. And and this really, to me, is a match that, depending upon how it goes for either side, I think both would be comfortable walking away with a draw and washing their hands and being like, we can kind of go forward with our season now. Mm-hmm. But the team that loses is going to have some really tough questions to answer. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we're already going through it. I know that they're going through it. Uh, any result here is going to exacerbate the bad for the other, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, these are not the fun ones, is what I'll say about this. This, this is not going to be an exercise in having a great day out in Manchester. This is going to be a, I, I would guess from Chelsea, and we'll get into our predictions here after the break, but I would guess from Chelsea, this is going to be more of a gutted out, match them stylistically, don't give up a stupid goal type of performance mm-hmm. rather than a swashbuckling, incredibly talented offensive juggernaut type performance. Well, but before we get too deep into that, we will, as you advertise, take a quick break to go through some wonderful ad reads. And then we will be right back to talk about what happens next in this matchup. Yeah. The people, Dan, the people love the ad reads. Can I say that? Do you know how excited I am that people are like, you know what? I, I like the show, but the ad reads are really what I'm here for. Like that. 
<laughs> That's special. It's actually kind of unfortunate that the ad reads now are getting more commentary sometimes, at least on our Discord server uh, with our kind of Patreon community. They, uh, they really enjoy the Manscaped ad. I don't I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no reason why. Nobody loves potty humor. Anyway, we will be right back, and then we'll get to you with uh, lineups, predictions, all the good stuff, all the fun stuff. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. It's a lot. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 2020 has been hard enough. And you know what? Worrying about your routine for taking care of business below the belt shouldn't have to be one of those things you're concerned about. Thankfully, our friends at Manscaped are making your life simple, and they're going to allow you to turn your bathroom with a snap into your very own private. This is the exact copy from text. Dong Salon. You know, they're, they're concerned about your bangers and mash. They don't want it to look like a mess. You know, they don't want it to be the worst get it bangers and mash and worst anyway they just released their products in the uk canada and australia the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with the advanced skin safe technology that helps reduce grooming accidents that's plus waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower and for up to 90 minutes hopefully not all in one sitting and they also released their shears 2.0 nail kit which is the perfect add-on for their lawnmower 3.0 trimmer their perfect package pun intended comes with two free gifts and other liquid formulations to help complete your ball trimming routine these formulations are all vegan cruelty free dye free sulfate free and paraffin free if you know what all those are to keep your yes this is in the text too disco stick in good hands look you're probably thinking about it you know you want to keep yourself smelling fresh you got the crop preserver for keeping the odor to a minimum downstairs they've got a crop reviver toner that is spray on for the jewels and then they've also got a foot duster deodorant so good you can even reduce the odor of the dirtiest feet all these things sound great and you know what they got a code for our listeners london is blue it's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. And so, you know, if you want to protect the package and not uh, not have it be the worst, uh, go hit it up now. Manscaped.com is the code London is blue for 20% off plus free shipping. All right. Well, Nick, I think we want to talk. Actually, we mentioned our Patreon Discord community that love the ads that we just mm. had people listen to. But we did talk about the idea. Henri Comcot was asking, how does this match affect? Frank's position with the club positively, negatively, does it not make a difference? And then, you know, I think Big Nash asking a very similar question, like, how are we approaching this game? Is there any difference or is it just another league game? How are you feeling about it going into it? Um, Not great, admittedly. I don't <laughs> <God>. feel good. <laughs> I, I mean, look, it's... 
this this match, unfortunately, because of the way that both teams started the year, has much more significance than top six matches early in the season usually do. You know, if, if you think about the flow, it's like at the beginning of the season, Chelsea usually play one of the top six. So this year is Liverpool. And we had a red card early and lost that one 2 0. And I think most people wrote that one off. It's Liverpool. They just won the league by a bajillion points. They're a better team at this point than we are. That's yeah. fine. I don't feel like people are going to think that way about Manchester United. I think I think fans' expectations are that Chelsea are a better side, that we should be that we have a better manager, we should play a better style of football, and we shouldn't be losing to Manchester United even away. I think the minimum expectation of the fan base is likely going to be a draw. I think the you know there are going to be parts of the fan base that want us to go out there and absolutely put Ole to the sword. Hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know. Well, let's go through a couple uh, of stats that I think are interesting. Mm. So one, Manchester United are looking to win three consecutive top flight meetings against Chelsea for the first time since September 1965 under Matt Busby. Busby's babes. Unbelievable. I know. Chelsea are also winless in the last seven Premier League away matches against Manchester United. Drawn three, lost, or sorry, drawn four, lost three. Is our longest run without a top flight win at Old Trafford since a 16 game streak between November, uh, sorry, September 1920 and January 1957. We, we had just started podcasting in 1920. Those, those were the days, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, this is the same as the Edison Nickelodeon. Anyway, uh, yep. in the Premier League era since 1992-1993, Manchester United versus Chelsea is the most played fixture between top flight teams in all competitions. With Damn. this, the 82nd meeting between the sides since then. So there, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's some bad blood here. There's a rivalry here. Yes. And if you think back to Sir Alex Ferguson v. Jose or Sir Alex Ferguson... Mm the any of our other managers truly um this was a this was like the you know 1v2 3v2 you know just in the table you know rankings this is a, a premier upper echelon match in most yep. premier league seasons again when you look at both of these teams it feels a little bit like a false dawn right now it feels a little bit like like we mentioned in the last one a little bit of imposter syndrome for both teams a little bit of still trying to work through some of the new additions, still trying to work through the coronavirus impacts to both teams, still mm -hmm. trying to work through what is admittedly the dumbest idea ever, and that's having international breaks in the middle of a pandemic that don't matter. All this, all these things are all new, but uh, some managers to this point have done better with them than Chelsea and Manchester United have. So the pressure is on, and... I am excited to see what uh, what you kind of come up with here in your ultra positive way of thinking <laughs> about this because I'm I'm nervous, man. Uh, well, just as a reminder, what our Premier League form has looked like for this season, we had an opening day win against Brighton, which was a three-one thumping. We did then go right into playing Liverpool, lost to nothing against a side that probably is going to really struggle now that uh, VVD is out for a significant period of time, if not the entirety of the season. A surprising and shocking 3-3 draw versus West Brom. 
followed by a 4-0 destruction of Crystal Palace, which at the time looked really, really good heading into that match, and then a surprise 3-3 capitulation versus Southampton. So mixed results heading into this, but when you think about the starting 11 that you're looking to play in this match, you mentioned matching the stylistic element, trying to counter a little bit more. Nick, I think you're leaning. I think it sounds like a back three, back five. Is that is that where we're going to go? When you look at your projected lineup, is that what we're going to see? Yes, that's what <laughs> we're going to see. I The only reason I, I say that is I... I think both managers realize that defensively it's not good enough <laughs> right now. Um, now, you could argue that Chelsea have a far higher ceiling than United do um, and that Chelsea may turn it around defensively quicker than United can because our our star signing defensively is a left back in Ben Chilwell who looks absolutely like the business right now. And theirs is a... Um, is Harry Maguire. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that, that that being said, I do think they're going to play a back five. And I think that because I believe Tellus is more of a wing back than he is a pure left back, especially in the Premier League, when you have a Pulisic potentially or a Werner or anyone down the, the right-hand side that can maybe cause him trouble. So my, my lineup is going to go something like this. Mendy and goal permanently. Um, just making that no more injuries, no more stupid international duty. You stay in goal. I want you to stay in goal, even on the practice pitch all year. That's where I need you. Back five of Reese James, Aspi, Silva, Zuma. Uh, and then obviously Chowell. Midfield two of Kovacic and Conte. And then I have a front three, Mason Mount on the left because of reasons, Timo Werner, and I believe Kai Havertz is going to start on the right of that really? front three. Yep. Because the front the front three in the in the way that we set it up last year are really like inside forwards. Like, yeah. And I think he'll actually, I think he'll do a job there. But I mean, it's, I think I know that's going to sound weird to people. I know that's not what Frank has shown at all so far this season. That's why I'm predicting it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I, I like a lot of what you're you're structuring in, and you know, I just I'm going on the operating model that Frank clearly loves this four two three one, and I'm just going to assume that he's going to try to ride it, even though I'm not a fan, even though we have talked about this podcast. Matt Law came on just recently and talked about how he thinks the 4-3-3 is better. Again, we are not professional football managers, uh, even though we play the football, the actual game. Uh, shout <laughs> out to our boy, Phil. Um, you know, ultimately, like we are, you know, we are just doing this as an armchair kind of situation or side chair situation. I think it will be the four, you know, the four, two, three, one situation. I think it is the, Reese James, Thiago Silva, Kurt Zuma, Chilwell. I think you you have to start to solidify. That's going to be your back four. Start to play them in a couple of games. Even though we're tight, what's going to happen is we've got another international break coming at the in like a week and a half at this point, two weeks. So like ride it, ride it for a couple of games, and then hope that uh, 
you know, Reese James and Chilwell can get a little bit of a break. Maybe Tiago Silva doesn't get called up. Maybe Zuma gets a little bit of a break. Just ride it. Right at this point. I, I do think the Conte Kova situation makes sense. I think you don't necessarily want Georgina in this match. There's going to be pressing in that midfield. It's, you know, we are not press resistant when he is in the game. Uh, and then I think you do have the Pulisic Havertz. And I actually think this is the type of match I would want to see Hudson Doy come into. I, I know Mount hmm. has been a, a talisman. I think he is the, you know, person who allows the press, you know, to be up for us to kind of press back on. But I just don't think, like, I would gamble against Tellus. I would gamble against Wambasaka. I would say, let's challenge their flank. Let's win where we know we actually are superior and not force the game through midfield where we're weak. Let's focus on the flanks where we know we have actually, I think, superiority. When you look at the way the Pulisic can attack a defense, when you look at the way that Kalmas and Roy can make a defense miss, and then you add Timo up top, connected with Havertz, and that makes it difficult. I, I, I ultimately think that, that I want to go with our strongest kind of firepower situation to really force their defense because they also conceded a fair number of goals as well. And so I don't think, you know, they, they are a negative three goal differential heading into this match. They're not as good defensively as people might think. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that I, I'm scared of their attack more than I maybe am letting on here. But I do think they are vulnerable in wide areas. And if you're going to play in wide areas, the 3-4-3 is a much better formation for Chelsea than the 4-2-3-1 for a myriad of reasons. But I think if you're Manchester United, the prospect of an overlap between Mount and Chilwell or an overlap between Havertz or Pulisic or Ziyech or whoever on the right and Reese James is scary. And it forces McGuire to then have to make some serious decisions if Tellus gets caught out, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the matchup you want. You want Tellus to get caught out or Luke Shaw... Yeah, I would happily face Luke Shaw, by the way. Um, <laughs> you want Luke Shaw or Tellus to get caught out or to or to lose their man and force one-on-ones with McGuire because he just can't move. And that's where I think if, if Havertz is able to skip past, right, or Reese James is able to skip past their left back, and you have a Timo Werner gut-busting down, occupying Lindelof, then Havertz one on one with McGuire, that's that's a Kobe situation. Just just call it now. <laughs> like we're we're good. We're gonna be good. Um, so I, I do think that this is gonna be a hard game for the four two three one. They've all been hard games for the most part yeah. with the four two three one. But if you're gonna play a four back, I think you have to play three in midfield because you you think about the prospect of Pogba, Fred, Matic even, uh, and then Penandez, obviously occupying some of that space like I don't want to get overrun in midfield and we didn't last year in the FA Cup final for the first time because we had width and we had passing angles out and they tried to crowd the midfield and get the ball turned over there so they had a quicker Mm. route to goal and we didn't let them do it we were really really disciplined if you kind of remember back to that performance so my hope is that we get to do that again um and I could be totally off my my formation is probably gonna be the worst formation prediction of all time, but like, well, I, I like the call for COVID though. And I'm again, you know, I think, you know, you and I both said that Mason Mount was our player of the season last year. Kovacic won the, the actual Chelsea player of the season. Definitely a, a fan favorite for a lot of individuals. 
I actually think that the way Man United play is actually more European currently than the way that a typical Premier League side lines up. And this type of match actually favors his ability to kind of bring the ball from from touchline to touchline, as it were, or outside the box to, to the front of the box. And so as much as I do love Mason, I, I think that this actually, the way this United team is currently playing, it just makes sense to me that you would see Conte and Kova. And, and they seem to have a better understanding about discipline, about where they're going to be. I just, I, Jorginho is going to get bypassed. And I, I can't, the, there's too much pace when you think about Rashford, when you think about Fernandez, when you think about Greenwood, when you think about Martial. There is enough pace on that team to make us look silly when mm-hmm. they get blown out of the water from like a midfield into kind of the final third. Yeah, which is exactly the point, right? Like, if you're not going to match them with a three in midfield, then you have to create space where they're not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's part of part of strategy is sometimes strength on strength and, and besting your opponent with, with just having better players or a better strategy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's about going where they're not. And... I think there is a massive opportunity. If you can get through the midfield, whether it's around it or over it or whatever, and you can just start to target Lindelof, you can just start to target Luke Shaw. Wambasak is harder. He's very good. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think that's the guy you want to target, which is why I think Mason Mount's a decent shout over there because yeah, Mason's going to make him work for everything. He's going to get frustrated. And then he's going to have Chile right behind him, potentially, in my in my stupid formation. Um, so anyway, I, I just think get over the midfield and we have a shot. We have a shot to do some damage, and I'm excited about that. Well, I love the idea of, of Silva, you know, what we saw a little bit against Sevilla, which could have gone a little bit more, is trying to play the ball over the top to Timo. I mean, would you bet against Timo in a foot race against Harry Maguire or Lindelof? I wouldn't. I think that that is a race that I would say, let's let's try it four or five times and see what happens. Because if you get in on one, you get in on two out of the three, four, five, you most likely are getting a goal out of it. That That's 100% right. And if you think about, again, the, the success that we had against them in the FA Cup final. Now, this could be an aberration. I may be way overplaying this, right? Like, But the long ball was a part of our strategy. We gave up the midfield mm-hmm. against them. We said, hey, look, we're, we're going to have players there. We're going to try and make a nuisance of ourselves, but we're not going to play through the middle. We went over the top a lot. And yeah, man, if, if you can consistently play a ball into some space for Timo Werner to go get it, good luck with that. I mean, <laughs> he he's quite fast. And that is that then puts the fear of God in them to advance too far up the pitch. Yeah. And if they don't advance too far up the pitch and you kind of have them thinking about it, then they aren't as connected as they would be. And that way, if you do get over their midfield or through their midfield, then it really does become a three on four or three on three or even a mismatch situation. Then you're having a lot of fun because that I mean, before the red card against Tottenham, Son had some incredible moments. Right. And was mm-hmm. just blazing their entire lineup. And it, it's. It puts you in a position to think about, like, if Pulisic starts for you in, in your lineup or, or Hudson-Odoi or we get Reese James forward, it's like, 
we're going to overwhelm them. So we talked about the fact that there are always players that give us a little bit of a nightmare, a little bit of a uh, sleeping fit, as it were, heading into a match. Who's the United player that you're most concerned about heading into this match? Um, that's a very good question. It's a very. I already question. have an answer. I didn't put it in the script, but I, I, I know mine. Very easy. Um, I would say Rashford, probably. I'd say Rashford. It, like... I, I think he's a very good player. He he is not always the most consistent player, but he he seems to be in a pretty good patch, and mm-hmm. I I worry about him. Yeah, uh, Martin Atkinson has been assigned as the official for this match, so uh, I'm just going to go with him. Of course. <laughs> well, but they're they're the penalty team. Like I just I, I really it I actually incredible. worry more about. Going up against the United side and knowing that they just happen to have this string of games staved in a Champions League group stage match against you know, PSG, getting you know, they've already gotten multiple penalties this season. It's just absurd. And so if I'm thinking about who I'm worried about the most, it's actually the official robbing us of a, a clean match and a good game. And I, I just, I'm, I am, I, that, that it will not be anyone other than Martin Atkinson for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's why playing up there is so hard, right? I mean, it's not only going against what is typically a good Manchester United team, but on top of that, you have just look biased refereeing. I mean, it's, it's tough to yep. stomach, but you know, I also think part of the reason why Chelsea do have a chance right now. And could, you know, I mean, they could come away with a victory. There's no doubt about it. I, I don't predict that to be the thing. But you you have a team that is going to make it very hard just due to the way that we defend mm-hmm. and pressing up high to give away a whole lot of stupid stuff in the box. We're not typically pinned back very hard, you know, very far, I should say. So I, I my hope is that we have some discipline in there. Tiago Silva provides some of that. Aspi and my lineup provides some of that. Um, and that they're able to communicate effectively with Edouard Mendy, who has yet to, or he's only given up one goal, and that was against Spurs. So that's, I feel good about that. Edouard. So when we think about, um, typically these are three reasons why Chelsea will win or why Chelsea will lose slash draw. Brandon isn't here, so it's two reasons why Chelsea will win and Chelsea will lose or draw. What's your reason why Chelsea win this match? Uh, if we win, it will be because we were able to bypass midfield effectively. Mm-hmm. And I think if we do that, we have enough attacking talent, both from, in my case, the wing backs and our forwards to do damage. I think we have more speed than they probably give us credit for. And that could be dangerous. I'm going to go with discipline. I think it's a matter of, you have to know your role. You have to know how you're contributing as, as a team. And it's about the respect of what needs to happen. You know, we, had commentary from Frank heading on the last match that he'd given players instructions on what to do. Maybe they did or didn't execute them fully. And so I think it's just a matter of respecting what needs to happen in this game. I do think it's going to be a more pragmatic match. It's not going to necessarily be a fire burner. I don't think Mm. we want to go blow for bowl, blow goal for goal and try to make this a three, two victory, a five, four victory. Like that's not what Frank wants out of this. I think I think it actually could be a super low scoring affair, which is going to be difficult for us. It's going to be uh, butt numbing at the end of it. But 
you know what, I'm okay with a very narrow victory versus a absolute, just ridiculous uh, multi-goal victory situation. Um, why will Chelsea lose or draw, though, Nick? Uh, we will lose because of discipline. <laughs> I, I, I still don't trust the, the, the whole setup yet. Um, and discipline can be a lot of different things, right? Discipline could be losing your your positional uh, situation. Discipline could be that, you know, uh, we have a, a little bit of temper going on and maybe lose our cool a little bit. Hmm. Uh, discipline could be the whole team not moving together as a unit, yep. which I think we've been guilty of this year. Uh, yeah, discipline. I think the point you made earlier about the midfield, I think if we lose the game, it's because we got shredded through the midfield. And, you know, they, I think we can win on the wings without any issue. I think we have to have a little bit of a desire to not play through the midfield and to when we have to come up with a tough tackle, when we have to come up with a challenge, not fouling, not giving away free kicks in dangerous positions to allow them an opportunity to score off a set piece or from a, a good positional dead ball. I think the midfield is where I worry about us getting shredded a bit. And if we can at least do a decent job in the midfield, that gives us a chance in this match. All right, we're ending it. We're, we're going to end it. And Brandon is not here, so he does not get a score prediction. There is no official score prediction he can make at this point. Not Has on to the be record. locked in. Mm-hmm. Where are you at, Nick? What is your result and what is your score? Can we do this like with an XG on penalties? <laughs> uh, I I think if if United get a penalty, they're going to win it. So mm-hmm. I'm just I'm caveating my my, my choice here. I think it'll be a 2-2 draw. Ooh. So I am going to go with Chelsea winning a goal to nil. The most unlikely of scenarios you've just... Absolutely. I think just that went full these, two, these two sides are going to absolutely just shithouse it to the end of 90 minutes. And it's going to be one goal between the two of them. And it's going to be a super infuriating watch. But you know what? That makes it even more exciting when we come back post-match to talk about it to break it down with our buddy naz with brandon in tow and have a really good conversation about after the fact when chelsea win and take all three points i i hope it's a mcguire own goal (laughs) (laughs) i'll take it i will take anything if it is a chelsea one man united nil i will take whatever the way whatever stupid way a fucking bird flies through the pitch and it deflects the ball past david de gea i'm good I'm good with any of it. We're all good. Yeah, whatever whatever works. I, I do think the irony would be astounding if we were given a penalty in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Jorginho is the only scorer. Like, he ends up starting. He's the one who scores. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I, well, that is that is going to do it for us. Nick, do you have any final thoughts, any things you want to make sure we, we touch on before we head out of this conversation? Vote. Vote. I think I agree. I think voting, vote early, vote once, not often, and uh, go to vote.org or other situations, uh, Vote Save America. There's plenty of different resources out there if you need information about how to vote. But please, uh, if you're in the United States and you're looking to make sure that your ballot is cast, please do so. Election Day is coming very, very soon, and everyone should have their voice heard in this uh, important election. But we, we appreciate that. Otherwise, thank you for listening to the 501st London is Blue podcast to the very, very end. We appreciate it. 
Uh, we appreciate that you could do it without Brandon present. But I think, Nick, we saved the world. We are done, and we are ready to head into the weekend. That is correct. Um, I couldn't be more excited. Uh, we are, you know, Manchester United's a fun week, right? Yep. It just is. Um, so I, I think, I hope that Frank has a little bit of extra, like he did for Spurs last year, into this one. I hope there's a little bit of extra. You see the team... You know, a result here, last point, a yeah. result here could really gel the team, too. Yep. I mean, there, there's some positives on that. So Yeah, we, we want a little uh, ghost pepper in this salsa on top of those nachos. So get it done, Frank. Make it happen. Anyway, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep a blue flag flying high.